Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Hi there, it's October 10th, 2022. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Bible Study. So excited to be with you today to continue our study in the book of Genesis. Today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 28. Um, As we left off last week, and when Pastor Chris um, led us in Bible study, we saw the the unfolding of the story of... um, Rachel and Jacob plotting to steal the birthright of uh, of Esau from uh, using some pretty crafty means, and 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 we have have seen as we dive into today, um, really this this sense that what uh, what people mean meant for their own good, what what was even maybe you know potentially meant for destruction and meant for evil, ultimately God. Um, has used for good and that um that isaac's blessing of jacob and and his um his giving of the birthright to jacob doesn't represent um something outside of the sovereignty of god but it ultimately is something that's that's directly under the authority and and the sovereignty of god and so this morning as we uh as we dive in we're going to look at um the way that this uh this decision begins to be walked out and and uh and and look a little bit at some hopefully some transferable principles that we can see out of genesis chapter 28 um for ourselves and and so um very first thing that we see in in the beginning of chapter 28 is that um isaac blessing jacob and and passing along um again the the blessing of abraham but then also um, charging Jacob with the with the the responsibility not to take a Canaanite wife, um, it says. And then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, "You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women." Verse two: Arise, go to Padanaram to the house of, of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take with take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your brother's mother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply that you may be, become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, to the son of Bethuel, of the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. And so if we if we run right back up into the to the end of chapter 27 we sort of see the the beginning kind of the beginning context for this and um Rebecca after she helps Jacob to steal the birthright is is afraid for the life of Jacob and and so um she actually makes the suggestion that um th- that Jacob run away um and and ultimately to to go hide with uh with laban with her brother because to to let um to let the 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 anger and the fury of esau um, pass so that esau won't uh, won't kill jacob Um, and then rebecca makes this statement to 
to Isaac in the in the very end of uh, chapter 20, uh, 27. It says, then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? And so we see a real contrast between this last verse of chapter 27 and the first verse of chapter 28 with regard to the way that Rebecca and Isaac are looking at this situation. And we've seen as as the story has unfolded and as God has 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 helped it to be recorded for us, um, the fact that that we've seen the sinfulness of of Rebecca and Isaac and Jacob and Esau and everybody in the story, we know plenty that these are all broken vessels and they're all people that struggle with their own sinful nature and they struggle with trying to take things into their hands and 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 trying to to conduct their affairs in 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 ways that will enrich them and please them and and ultimately um, they all struggle with the sin of idolatry of putting themselves on the throne as a, as opposed to allowing um, God to be in the in His rightful place. On on the on the throne of each of their lives and 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 so we see that Rebecca makes this suggestion about sending Jacob to her brother to Laban to protect him and ultimately it's because because she doesn't want one of those Hittite women um, for a daughter-in-law and there's there's a bit of a sneer there Isaac on the other hand gives a charge to Jacob um, that is that is much different he sends Jacob and tells him to go to Laban but the reason that he tells him to go to Laban is because he's the one that bears the birthright and ultimately he's the one that, that's going to carry on the lineage of the people of God and so he's sending him to to Laban because because it's his it's his duty um, but it's also the mantle that's been placed upon him for him to carry on the the the, the lineage, the heritage of the people of God, and 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 Isaac is is in a in a very funny way here demonstrating the fact that he really has has come to understand and embrace the sovereignty of God, that he really understands that that God is in control, that that God uh, that, that that he can't. Um, he can't force the hand of God, that he can't move the hand of God, and that ultimately that he needs to live responsive to um, the will and, and the way of God. If Isaac had been looking at this through conventional eyes, um, the thing that he would have wanted was for his son, uh, Jacob, who was the one who was supposed to carry on uh, the the lineage of, of, of Israel and the one that was supposed to to to, to carry on the becoming of a great nation um the the like the conventional way to think about doing that would have been exactly to marry a canaanite wife why because you would consolidate power you would you would bring the you know the leading family of this little tribe of of israelites um and and align them with the people of the land and and so there wouldn't have been a thought of maintaining the purity of israel um, there would have been a thought of trying to consolidate power in order to help israel to grow just like every other um, nation in in the world grew through you know through marriage and through consolidating land and through war um, but on the other hand uh, isaac sends jacob away 
because ultimately he believes that God has given them a promise and that God will give to them the land. And if they do the things that God's called them to do and the way that God's called them to do it. And, and it's more important at this point uh, to Isaac that Jacob would, would not come under the influence of the false gods and ultimately come under the influence of the, the pagan principles that are that are rampant in the land and and so he places upon him um, the blessing of Abraham he trusts to him uh, God's plan for um, growing the nation and and he he sends him and Jacob goes obediently he does what it is that his that his father tells him to do now in verse six we see a great contrast to to the obedience of Jacob, and I don't want to oversell this that Jacob all of a sudden understood perfectly God's plan, and he he perfectly accepted God's sovereignty, and and he, and he perfectly understood who God is. That we even see just here in a, in a few minutes, we'll see that God taught him something very important about Himself. Um, in, in this chapter, in, in chapter 28. But, but before we get there, what we see is Esau um, basically trying to chart his own course and, and to try to balance the scales. And so we see in, in verses six through nine, it says, uh, East, now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there. Um, and that is he blessed him and blessed him and and that he that as he blessed him he directed him you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram so when Esau saw that that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife besides the wives that he had Mahathalah uh, Mahalath Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Naboth. So what we see here is that Isaac sees that Jacob does this thing which pleases his father, that he that he doesn't take a wife from the Canaanite women. And so Esau says, okay, well, then I understand the key to pleasing my father is not to marry a Canaanite woman. So he goes to the house of Ishmael um, and, and, and brings this woman from, from outside of the, the people of God. And, and he says, well, what my father wants is he, 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 wants, he wants us not to marry the people that are here that are close by. Now, what we see is that Esau had already married um, and, and already had uh, at least a wife, maybe had wives that had come from the Canaanite people. Ishmael, or I mean, I'm sorry, Esau at this point is literally, um, he is doing everything he possibly can. He's he's kind of, you know, flipping all the switches and, and, and pulling all the levers and turning all the dials randomly in his life to try to figure out some way to atone for the mistake that he made in order and, and ultimately to get into the good graces of his father. And Esau is a whole lot like a lot of folks that, that I think we encounter in life who, who have a view of God that that God is someone to be placated, that God is that 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 like you have to do enough good in order to make up for the bad that you've done, or you have to do enough good to please God so that God will do ultimately what you want, or that you'll get eternal life, you know, ultimately by balancing the scales and by being a good person. Well, that's Esau to a T here. He's trying to do enough good acts to make up for all the things that he's done 
that have been that have been disappointing and all the things that he, he's done that have offended God and ultimately have offended his father. Uh, what he doesn't understand in the moment is that there's nothing that he can do to please God, that there's nothing that he can do in to, to earn righteousness and, and that ultimately that his losing of the birthright is, is that's, that's under the sovereign hand of God. It's not, it's not a regrettable mistake. It's, it's a, it's a turn in life, but Esau's focus is completely on the wrong thing. He's trying to do what he perceives to be the right thing in order to get for himself what he believes that he deserves. Um, on, on the other hand, Jacob was blessed with the birthright. He didn't deserve it. He acted treacherously to get it. His mother acted treacherously to give it, to get it. He, he was, he was not the one who was given the birthright because he had done something to please God or ultimately to please his father. He actually acted awfully, but God bestowed it upon him and gave it to him because God had a plan for him and God had a plan ultimately for the history and the future of the world. That, that God was going to bring about um, the, the, the giving of a savior and it was going to come through the line of, of Jacob. And so providentially, this thing happens where Isaac sends Jacob off um, ultimately to find a wife um, from from his uncle Laban because because God is orchestrating the events of history to bring about the coming of the Messiah, the growing of a nation, but ultimately to bring about the the coming of, of Jesus. And and Esau's not operating on God's agenda or his father's agenda. He's ultimately just trying to take care of himself. And and we know that there, you know, we encounter people every day that their view of God is what do I have to do in order to keep God off my back? What do I have to do in order to be good enough that God has to do for me um, what, what I believe he should do for me to prosper me or to preserve me or, or whatever. And, and the gospel says there's nothing we can do and that ultimately the way that we please God is, is ultimately through Jesus and, and through the acceptance of the gospel and that we, that, we, that we don't have to scramble hard to keep our lives. What we need to do is, is ultimately to give our lives to Christ. We need to die to self. Okay, and so, so then, verse ten, we see then on Jacob's side of things. It says, "Now Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. Uh, he came to a certain place there and stayed that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up to earth, and on the top, the top of it reached to heaven." And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north, north and to the south. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed." Therefore, I am with you and, and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until you have done what I have promised you. Um, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. 
so what we see now is that that Jacob begins this journey to go uh, to go to Laban and to find himself a wife, and he's he's on the journey by himself, and he stops to sleep, and he's dead tired. He must be dead tired because he chooses a rock for his pillow. Um, and, and, and then he, he falls asleep and, and God brings to him a vision. He brings to him a dream. And in the dream, um, he sees this big ladder that extends from earth to heaven. And he sees God at the top of the ladder. And there are angels that are ascending and descending. And, and ultimately, he catches a view of God and his sovereignty. He, he, he catches a view of life that maybe he hadn't had up to this point, which is that God is intimately involved in, in, in his creation, that God is in, intimately involved in the lives of people and, and that there's that there's activity that's going on between earth and heaven, that God isn't this indifferent um, sort of judge or, or indifferent God that's sort of sitting off in eternity, um, just disconnected from the world, but that God is God is present and he's active and he's sovereign and he is he is governing over and seeing over the affairs of the world. And on some level, that had to that had to blow Jacob away. More than that, then God speaks to him and he says, I'm going to keep the, the covenant that I made with Abraham. And that covenant extends to your father Isaac and it extends to you. And the promise is that I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to make your inhabitants or, or your, your descendants more numerous than, than the stars in the sky. Um, they're going to stretch as far as the east is from the west and the north is from the south. Um, and, and more than that, I'm going to promise you that this land that you're sleeping on right now, I'm going to bring you back to it. And I'm not going to leave you until I fulfill my promise. Now, now ultimately, um, Jacob, who has all of this uncertainty in his life, was just blessed to have the certainty of God. And ultimately, he, he's been, he understands that he's been chosen, that he's been set apart, uh, and it wasn't a result of his treachery. It wasn't a result of fooling his father. It was, it was a result of God's sovereign choice and plan and that nothing that's happened, even, even, even the evil, even the bad things that have happened in his life, God has used ultimately um, to fulfill his plan. So what does Jacob do in response to understanding God's love and, and loving kindness and care and provision for him? What, is, what, does, he, what does he do in response to understanding that God has a plan for him that he's going to work out into the future? Well, verse 18 says, So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, um, but, but the name of the city he was lose as at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Okay, so understand that that Jacob's not really saying here if God keeps all of his promises, we're going to watch this thing until the end and make sure that God is who he says he is and so therefore then I will worship him. Uh, it, it, there's there's just a bit of a twist of a phrase here. Jacob is saying this is who God is. 
He is the one who sustains me. He's the one that's going to keep me. He's the one that's going to feed me. He's the one that's going to clothe me. He's the one that's going to bring me again to peace um, in my father's house in peace. Um, and, and ultimately, God is who he says he is. And I have seen the, the fullness and the sovereignty of God in this moment, seeing this vision. And so I'm going to set up an altar here and I'm going to worship. And, and he even says and even makes this promise about, about giving the tithe that, that I, I trust God so much that, that I'm going to I'm, I'm not going to even hold to myself everything that I receive, but I'm going to give back to God as an act of worship out of everything that I receive and out of all the ways that God blesses me and out of all that I have. Wow. <laughs> so, so what we see in, in, in this moment is, is really um, Jacob beginning to understand the unfolding plan of God and, and ultimately to understand the call of God upon his life. And, and as he's understood that, as he's caught this big vision of who God is, as he's led to worship, he's also led to to prop up the stone and to make it a column and to anoint it and and to point to this moment. And here's the thing, and I think this is a principle that all of us can can think about and a principle that all of us can can benefit from. And that is that when we see glimpses of who God is, when God helps us to learn about him, when God helps us to to walk through things where we experience him in deeper and deeper ways, when he helps us through his word um, to discover deep and abiding truth about him, um, that we, like the children of Israel, should build an altar. Um, in other words, we need to. The, the Israel had this practice of, of the fact that when when they had encountered um, God in in a in a meaningful way, and when the people had been transformed as the result of of an encounter with Almighty God, the practice was that they would they would pile up stones and they would worship there. And and why is that? Well, I believe it's because because god and his sovereignty understands that there are going to be days where we're going to have trouble believing that where we're going to have trouble understanding the mind of god where we're going to have trouble walking obediently in the steps that god has laid out for us we're not going to feel a sense of um of our um of the truth that as it really is we're going to we're going to struggle to understand um, that God is for us and that God is, is is laying things out for us as His children. Um, ultimately, that He that He's given us um, a, a path to walk. We're not going to believe that 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 God has our back. Well, in those days, those are the days that sometimes we need to walk by a pile of rocks and we need to remember that the truth of who God has been in the past to us, that he's been deliverer, that he's been uh, the source of our salvation, that he's been um, our defender, that he's been uh, the righteousness in our lives, that he's been the loving father to us, all of these things. And how do we remember those things best? We remember them best by looking back to be able to see tangibly places where God has acted and where he's kept his promises. And, and so even when we don't feel it, we can claim that it's true because we can go back and, and, and we can rehearse the activity of God 
one of the things that my sweet wife did during our adoption processes was to journal and to to write down and very specifically to write down those things that God had done um, to to move mountains, to confirm to our hearts that we were moving in the right direction, to give us peace in the midst of difficult circumstances, all those things. And what an incredible gift it has been over the years when we've been challenged with circumstances that really kind of threw us for a loop to be able to stop and to realize that we have the evidence and we can look back to a place where we have seen God conquer in the past and that we know who our God is and and we know ultimately his his goodness. And so therefore, uh, we can trust him into the future, even when that seems difficult. And, and so today, I, I just want to encourage you to, to claim what we've seen in this story um, of, of Jacob naming Bethel, the house of God, this, the, this place that he met with God, and then ultimately uh, realizing that, that we, uh, through Christ, not only have the ability to meet with God, but we ultimately have the, the ability to be made right with God and, and, and that we can claim and, and hold on to those places where we've seen God's activity and where we've seen God's intervention um, and, th- and that we need to do that in tangible ways to help us to be able to walk through the difficult times when sometimes um, that's hard to see. Hope you have a a great day today um, and and a great time in God's Word. Um, And we will look forward to seeing you back again next week here on the Defender Bible Study, where we're going to dive into chapter 29 of the book of Genesis to continue the journey um, of God's unfolding work um, to, to make for Himself and to bring to Himself a people. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.